Warning, this podcast discusses topics of a sexual nature. Listener discretion is advised. Also warning, this show contains spoilers. Surveyors, where we discuss basic gratuity to triple X and everything in between. I'm the Sir. And I'm the Madame, and today we'll be discussing the first three Manuel films. But first we should probably discuss why we're doing this in the first place, and the best place to start there is probably by defining smut, at least as far as what it means to us, so how do you define smut? I kind of enjoy the playfulness of basic nudity that a lot of puritanicals will now call smuts ooh a boob a nipple things like that but certainly I don't consider that smut but I I include it in smut for me smut is anything that goes beyond the basic skinamax (laughs) late night movie kind of thing to uh, really good erotica, good story. Right, right. Now that I think that's what separates erotica from porn, and I think the focus of what we'll be talking about mostly is erotica. I mean, the, and there are points where the two converge, and it'll be really interesting to talk about that, have some ideas about films to discuss there, but um, for now, you know, basically we're talking about movies that are, you know, essentially made to be titillating like that's sort of the core focus and of course there are exceptions there and of course there are also all kinds of different kinks and interests that people may have um and that will kind of bring us along some divergent lines but uh for the most part yeah this is some uh x-rated material yes we'll we'll try to trigger trigger warning as much as possible um we don't want to upset any of our listeners, and we totally get it if there are some topics that you might not want to hear about. For example, um, this film. Uh, I know there's a couple here. Absolutely, there is. Um, the first Emmanuel we're talking about here. Yes, there. I One gal who appears, trigger warning, quite young, and further trigger warning, there is some examples of... Um, what is perceived sexual assault, which we'll get into further in the movie, and, uh... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the fir- this first Emmanuel film uh, came out in 1974. It was produced by Yves Lucette Rouard, and, and just to warn you, um, my French pronunciations are going to be atrocious. As are mine. Uh, um, I was told by a French professor in college that I spoke French like a Spaniard. So, um, yeah, that, there you go. So I, I apologize to all of the French people out there who are going to probably be covering their ears. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> Yves Rousset-Rouard was, uh, uh, he was a diplomat. 
uh, like, like a notary public in France, and I, I guess he got some money, and um, he bought the rights to this book, Emmanuel, written by Emmanuel Arsan. Now, this book has a bit of a story. Uh, it was uh, kind of scandalous, uh, written supposedly by a diplomat's wife. The story gets a little hazy. There's, there's people try to say that he wrote it and she didn't. I don't really know what happened. I, I don't know if that's ever been proven or not. Um, but it is one of those things you find online when you go looking up this material. Um, but it was a, it, it's a book about a young wife and her sexual awakening and sort of this um, rite of passage she goes through in order to please her husband. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole focus of this thing. And um, so the, the diplomat was in Thailand and this uh, story takes place in, in Bangkok. And um, so Yves Rousset Ruard, uh, he bought the rights to this film and he recruited director Just Jaken. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he was a photographer, a fashion photographer, and this was to be his first feature film. Emmanuel stars the lovely Sylvia Crystal. Brava. Uh, Alain Cooney. Uh, he was a, an actor from uh he, he was sort of the the old actor from the, the older generation that they put in to give the movie some credibility but you know how that goes you know it's like when they put christopher lee in a jess franco movie or something <laughs> um so uh marika green christina boisson and daniel sarki as her husband jean uh, music is by Pierre Bachelet and Hervé Roy. And the reason this is notable is that they did quite a, a an excellent soundtrack. It's a really um, lovely soundtrack, and you, you can look up the single, the opening theme. It's on the streaming services. I highly recommend it. It's just called Emmanuel, and it's a, it's a beautiful song. But for some of the steamier sequences in this film, they actually stole... From uh, King Crimson, <laughs> Lark's Tongues and Aspect Part Two. Um, it's, it's oh my god! <laughs> but it's so sexy. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm glad they stole it. Right. Honestly. But what, what's interesting is that they they didn't like just lift it off of the record. They recorded their own orchestral version of it. And it's really sexy. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah. It works really well. I mean, they they probably just you know. Man, it would have been nice to clue frip into that, but whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what are your impressions of this movie? Stunning. There are, are there issues with it, certainly, but um, Sylvia Crystal, young, gorgeous, and just Jake and who knew fashion, just clothed. He knew how to dress her. I mean, she looks gorgeous in every shot she's in. Um, it's it's very much a dreamscape. Thailand, warm, boats, sun, sex, music. I, I love it. it. It is a dream. It's like living in a dream. Uh, I, I get the feeling that maybe for Sylvia Crystal it was a bit of a dream doing this i i know that she had been a a fashion model previous to this the story goes that she was um uh 
auditioning for a soap commercial and walked in the wrong door and just Jaken was there. He told her he either told her to take her dress off or it just slipped off. It's a little murky there, depending on where you read the information. Mm-hmm. Um and um and uh they did the audition and she got the role of Emmanuel and it, it did change her life. It it skyrocketed her to mega stardom for a brief period of time in the seventies. And this film was actually distributed by Columbia Pictures in the U.S. It was their first X-rated feature. Um, They learned that the film was popular with women in Europe, and they reasoned that something popular with women would not be considered pornography. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, There you go. In a way, it isn't. There is no penetration. It's certainly more of a softcore scenario right right i mean you don't yeah it's we're not talking about john holmes here you know <laughs> ron jeremy or anything like that yeah there's um you know i mean alan clooney is a despite the fact that he looks a lot like this old french actor <laughs> named robert Larey, he was like this leading man in french movies in the 40s and 50s and then he got old and wrinkly in the 70s, and he started doing hardcore pornos. He sure um, did. Yeah, did, he, he did, certainly did. Did a lot of movies with Alan Payette, and um, yeah, <laughs> they, they're, they're something. Um, we'll be talking about those at some point, but uh, anyway, Alan Cooney, um, he, he was put in the movie, as I said earlier, to, to give it some legitimacy, I guess. Um, Not to be ageist here. But a good amount of these old European films has a young, desirable woman in some sort of intimate relationship with a man old enough to be her grandfather. Emmanuel is one of those films and more on the titular Mario. <laughs> that's who he's... He, that's the character he plays, Mario. Oh, oh yes, the, the Marquis. Yes, <laughs> yes. The old Marquis. Um... He likes to talk about eroticism. <laughs> yes, from the tip of a penis. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what the hell he's talking about most of the time. He just seems to be babbling this this bizarre guru um, nonsense about, you know, you have to be a... You basically have to fuck everything that moves in order to be alive or something like that. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's his his deal. Yeah, it, everything he said on eroticism quotations was completely asinine. <laughs> well, I I do did feel how sort of it played into her and like the way that she feels the need to experiment in order to become the woman her husband deserves. Which I find very interesting because he says at the beginning of the movie that he married her because no one made love like her. Yeah. And, um... Whatever that means. Whatever that means. <laughs> I do love the fact that these movies talk about, you know, polyamory or ethical non-monogamy in you know a positive way before that was really a big topic of conversation like it is nowadays yeah so good for them hey europe right yeah there you go (laughs) 
Uh, supposedly, Serge Gainsbourg was uh, approached to do the soundtrack, but refused because although he admitted Sylvia Crystal was pretty, he personally did not want to fuck her. <laughs> Thank you, Serge. Oh. Uh, they did end up getting him for the third one. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the movie was shot between uh, December 10th, 1973 to February 6th, 1974, on location in Thailand with interiors in Paris. Uh, Jaken claims not to have shot the scene where the woman blows smoke rings from her vagina. And uh, mm. there, there is a bit um, on the extras on the, the Blu-ray. We, uh, we watched the Kino Lorber Blu-ray in English. But on the extras, there's a little bit of a documentary um just jaken talks about how he considered that pornography and he would not shoot pornography well the um what's also funny if you want to go back to that smoking out of the vagina scene she's doing it to sir gainsburg or however you pronounce it because my freaking french is not much better Something I would like to work on, certainly. Yeah. Roger Ebert liked this movie. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> In the 70s, Russ Meyer, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me. This was a good movie. There, there are scenes that are challenging. Uh, trigger warning to... Uh, any survivors of sexual assault out there. There are a couple of scenes throughout where it's treated as more of a... She was being chased in a playful way, but succumbed to it, or, or, or treated as a rite of passage. Um, never treated with the seriousness one would treat it today, but the whole movie is treated as a fantasy in and of itself, so we, we for the time, with the 70s, it's not the same time as now, we wouldn't hold it to the same standards. Uh, I, I heard something on another podcast, um, I, I might as well talk about stuff I listened to, Behind the Bastards, but they there was a comment made that the definition of rape was different like 50 years ago and it really struck me because in a way it's it really is true you know uh, the way rape is understood even by the law is different today so uh, you know it's it's uh, i don't know the progress uh, uh, you know no, it, it is uh, it, it is uh and it's true um you know i i'm glad that I'm in a time now where it's easier. We still have a long, long, long way to go. Um, it's easier to uh, report and be taken seriously than it was back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you could say the Marquis is basically Harvey Weinstein. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing about this dude is charming. Yeah. Uh, back to Emmanuel, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing about this dude. And he looks grumpy throughout. Yeah. And and she kind of like, at, at, at one point she's almost draping over him. And I'm thinking to myself, why, honey, why? You're so beautiful. Mark, anything could be better than this. 
apparently he really didn't want to be in the movie and he was uncooperative throughout the whole thing and he just just i guess his sour nature just carried over uh we've we've got the film going on in the background and the uh the smoking yeah. seat is going on yeah. now so it, it's, yeah. it's it is quite distracting yeah it's, it's a little distracting <laughs> um right. well the film spawned numerous sequels and um, remakes and different versions and we will be talking about those later on at some point but first emmanuel 2 emmanuel 2 Emmanuel II. Uh, this came out a year later in 1975, again produced by Yves Rousset Rouard and uh, Alan Saritsky. Uh, again, starring Sylvia Crystal, but um, they did not bring back Daniel Sarki. Instead, they got Umberto Orsini to play Jean. And this film was in, uh, not directed by Just Jakin. Uh, he didn't want to be tied to a series or, you know, repeat himself. So um, he recommended uh, an Italian fashion photographer friend of his, Francis Giacopetti, and that this became his first, and I think only feature. Uh, the music was by Francis Lai, and uh, there is an early appearance by Laura Gemser in this film uh, in a... Um, they, they go to a massage parlor at one point, and um, uh, she's there. They uh, disrobe, and yeah. So uh, at one point, Laura Gemser of the Black Emmanuel series. We love Laura yes. Gemser and Black Emmanuel. <laughs> she will be making an appearance on this podcast. Trust us. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be discussing her, definitely. Um. But, uh, so, what do you think of this one? Sylvia Crystal looks so different. She clearly got very famous <laughs> in the year between the first and the second and looks very mature and gorgeous. It, the movies are very different vibe. It's shot in Hong Kong. Again, gorgeous setting. Um, I do love these movies because they take you all around the world to places you wouldn't even think to imagine going. Um, Erotic adventures in exotic locations. Exactly. Yeah. Which just adds to this dream sequence and lovely music playing throughout and erotic acupuncture. Yeah, yeah, and... It was shot, as you said, in, in Hong Kong, and then they also go to Bali at one point. Um, some real stunning shots in this film. Really, really beautiful, just the way the composition, uh, like, Giacobetti's really quite stellar here. Um, but there's a few odd things I noticed, like um, pubes are covered. <laughs> yes, the sir has a real problem with this movie and the lack of Sylvia Crystal's pubes. I don't something. have a problem with it, I just find it kind of odd. It's like where she, you know, you see everything in the first one, but why is everything covered in this one? With you that, know. And with that said, I'm I'm kind of upset by the lack of overall wieners in this movie. Yeah, yeah, not enough dangling I mean, dogs. We, huh? at, at 
at the beginning of the movie, there is a point um, where Jean's guest, Christopher, introduces himself to Emmanuel <laughs> while he's in the bathtub, stands up and shows his wiener. But ah. that is the only wiener to be seen. Equal rights, ladies. Am I right? Right, right. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, yes, this definitely was the only film directed by Francis Giacobetti, though he later produced Emmanuel Four, which uh, we'll, we'll be getting to later, much later. Um, uh, there's a small appearance by an actor, Venantino Venantini, who uh, horror fans might know him from Fulci movies, um, cannibal movies. Uh, he plays the tattooed polo player in this film, but um, he's the dad in Gates of Hell, a.k.a. City of the Living Dead, who um, he puts Bob's head through the drill. That guy. Um, so, there you go. This one has an odd animation sequence, yeah. which I found kind of cool and unusual. She's looking through, I guess, a Nickelodeon-type contraption and its animation, which we see yes. through a view and uh, erotic animation, if you will. And yeah, that sort of reminds me a little bit of Baba Yaga in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, I did find it uh, also odd that uh, this one seems to really be heavy on the rape fantasy. I, it just seemed to, that seemed to be the focus of every sexual encounter, almost. Yeah, there were multiple, multiple scenes where there was a woman lying sideways on the table while three people tended to her. <laughs> I mean, the first woman who said she was raped by three schoolgirls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just as a, that's how, you know, you just introduce yourself. Hey, I'll be, we'll be staying with each other. I was raped by three Filipino girls in school, and I liked it. You know, that's... <laughs> that's essentially what, it's exactly what she says in the movie. And it's so, basically, yeah. and um, they, they, they do show a small recap of that, and that is not the only sideways girl lying on a table while three people tend to her scene in this movie. Right. Against her will, mind you. Like, that's that's the important thing. And no pubes. Yeah. <laughs> and it also, but tying into that, um, it also seemed to be really heavy on what, there's this sort of trend, I guess, in internet porn or whatever called free use. Hmm. Which is like the idea that, that somebody, you know, uh, you know, I, you or me are just, hey, I'm horny, I'm, you're my thing to screw right now, or yeah, whatever, ew. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so I saw that uh, very heavy here, but uh, the difference being, Emmanuel spent the first film as a toy, right? This one, she's the one doing the toying. Yeah. Like she's the one on top in this one. And well, with the well, yeah. No, she she's in control. She is in yeah. control. 
This is she like... is a, she has become a woman. Right. At the end of the first one, she made herself up after her lessons of eroticism with the Marquis Mario uh, made herself up to be a woman, and now she is, and she is taken. You know, she's taken full of... reins, and and she's in control of the relationships. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. I I also like. Umberto Orsini as her husband in this. There, it seems a lot more playful. They seem more on each other's level, whereas uh, the first one seems more like a father-daughter almost relationship in the marriage. Right, right. Now, uh, Umberto Orsini definitely was a... He's a more fun actor, and uh, apparently they got along quite well on set and enjoyed each other's company, so yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as I, as I said earlier, um, music was by Francis Lay, but um, Sylvia Crystal sang the theme song. Yeah, and which is, I find very cute because I thought she sounded just like Jane Birkin, who was with Sir Gainsbourg at the time. Um I thought she she said she sound she thought she sounded silly, but I, I thought she sounded quite adorable in the recording. Uh yeah, the movie ends kind of with a rite of passage. They help their friend lose her virginity, courtesy of them. And uh <laughs> and the world keeps on spinning. Yeah. <laughs> Until uh we end up with Emmanuel Three, also known as Goodbye Emmanuel, after a break. We're back. Emmanuel Three, also known as Goodbye Emmanuel, and again, um. For for all three of these, I should just say uh, we watched the Kino Lorber Blu-rays in English, um, just to make that clear. So you know, if you watch a film in another language, uh, the subtitles it does give it a, a slightly different feel. So keep in mind where you know we're going. Our opinions on right. the edit as they were presented to us. Right, right. So this one came out a few years later. This is in 1977. Uh, again, starring Sylvia Crystal and Umberto Orsini. Music uh, by Sir Gainsbourg yeah. on this one. <laughs> Again, produced by Yves Rousset-Rouard. Uh, but directed by a, a... He's a French director, Francois Leterrier. And he was this sort of introspective uh, kind of director. And it, it ended up kind of turning this film into something quite different. Um, that we'll, we'll get into in a bit. Um, Ian McShane... Uh, of Game of Thrones and uh, John Wick uh, was dating Sylvia Crystal at the time and auditioned to play Gregory, the guy mm. that she kind of runs off with. But the role ended up going to Jean-Pierre Bonvier. And uh, this one was shot on location in Seychelles, which is uh, an island nation in the Indian Ocean just east of Africa. Some interiors were shot in France. Seychelles is the number one ranked electoral democracy in Africa. Unbelievable, yeah. and it, I don't think out of any of the Emmanuel films I've seen a more beautiful landscape than Seychelles Islands. 
really stunning. The water, the... I want to live there. <laughs> well, uh, oh, here's something interesting. So, you know, we talked about how the first two films were kind of rapey. Uh, well, this was the first film distributed by Miramax. And it's not that rapey. No, it, it, it's really not rapey at all. It's not yeah. rapey at all. Um, which, uh... But it it later became a Skinamax staple. That I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Umberto Orsini is uh again playing the husband, and and the vibe is different on this because their lifestyle as they've lived it in love with each other traveling the world making love to whoever they wanted um all of a sudden uh it's a speed bump yeah it sort of takes its toll on on their relationship i mean yeah this 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 one is slower than the other ones but i i think it's because um leterrier is this very introspective director and i think he in some ways was i don't know about him personally i don't but this is just my impression of the film um that he was sort of putting himself in the role of jean and the way he would act and he made it sort of very personal in that way or maybe he had been through something similar who knows yeah um but it this comes off as a very personal film in that regard and yeah it's it's, it's sad to see this this couple that we've watched you know this arc of three films together just sort of crumble but you sort of leave off knowing that everybody will be okay and maybe though they're not together anymore they're both going to continue to love the way they love with others into the future um you have jean acting in ways you you read about the villainous jealous lover or or beau um acting by withholding messages um when gregory has to leave for paris um and when she finds out about it um, and he realizes she's gone for good and you you understand he got what he deserved but he he, he understands that you could tell he, yeah. he he has a he he feels like he's garbage and at the end um his uh waiter or servant <laughs> or asks him how many places should I set tonight? And he looks at the lady to his left and says, Two? I always set two for dinner. <laughs> so you you understand he'll be okay. And oh, yeah. He, he'll lick his wounds and he's accepted his loss. He, <laughs> he even says he gambled and he lost. <laughs> and Umberto Orsini really does a hell of a job conveying all of this. You know, he's... It, you see it in his face. He just he, he he's feeling all this stuff the whole time. It's it's really great job. Yeah, they 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 do have a chemistry, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like 
another actor, you you wouldn't have the same sympathy for Jean's character that you would have, uh, that you do being played by Umberto Orsini. Right, right. As a uh, Daniel Sarki, you know he his role in the first film was sort of lesser to the marquee, and now um, Jean takes much more of a. a forward role in the movies yeah they're, they're more contemporaries which i like and they they enjoy their threesomes which are fun <laughs> they've been lots of threesomes in the second and third and uh you know we love it we love to see it <laughs> let people live uh oh here here's an interesting tidbit um charlotte alexandra who plays chloe in this film was also in Immoral Tales, the uh, Valerian Vrochik film. We will be getting yeah, to yeah. him, do not worry. Uh, she's in the Paris uh, Philosoph. Uh, sorry, I, I can't say it. Um, <laughs> but in that segment, <laughs> Theresa Philosophy or something like that. Um, uh, Leterrier actually began as an actor, um, and he was cast by uh, a director named Robert Bresson, who was known for casting completely unknown people in leading roles, and that's what Le Terrier was. Uh, He acted in, I think, one other film, and then started working as an assistant director, eventually working his way up to full-time director, and that's, uh, you know, how he came to be making this film eventually. Uh, His son, Louis Le Terrier, makes blockbuster CGI films. Oh, my. Uh, Clash of the Titans, an Incredible Hulk movie, two Transporters, and uh, the that Dark Crystal series that was on Netflix. Oh, we liked yeah, that. Yeah, that was cool. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of funny. Eh, well, good for him. Glad yeah. he's successful. Um, anything else you want to say about this movie? The ending sequence is very odd. <laughs> yeah. They have her cutting her back to waving something like a dozen times, and it, it just it it, uh, it ends in an unusual way. It doesn't take away from everything else this movie gives the music, the my goodness, the islands. I oh, just what a dream! What an absolute dream this. But Darya really knew how to shoot that. That I mean, and then this that has actually a very important point about these films is that the locations are as much a character in the film as the the people acting in the scenery absolutely it it adds to this dreamscape this this sort of decadence that for most normal people if it was within their grasp at one point it's not anymore which is Another reason we really do this podcast that really takes us back to a time where things weren't so pressured. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you can watch people actually enjoy their lives. Yeah. You gotta watch it in movies. You can't do it yourself. Really? <laughs> you can, but it'll cost you. Yeah, yeah. It'll cost you big time. Uh, so that's why we do this. And, uh, I think this concludes. Yeah. Um, what are we going to talk about next time? We are going to talk 
about Soledad Miranda. Yeah. And so. the Jess Franco films. Yeah. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, see you in two weeks. We are the Smut Surveyors, and have fun in bed. See you later. The Smut Surveyors is produced in New York City by the Sir and the Madame. Incidental music is by Pete Ayuda. If you want to get in touch, send an email to the Smut Surveyors, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.